Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Alright, it's a bit hard for me to believe that we're already in the third session of this retreat and we're heading home tomorrow. It's gone by fast. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, today was, it was amazing. Um, I was really so tremendously encouraged and blessed by the baptism service. Uh, it looked like there was a lot of good time had during the free time. Heard some of the men play a lot of basketball and uh, the most important thing is uh, no one got hurt. Uh, no serious injuries, at least, uh, might be lingering soreness. Um, I did uh, eat very well for lunch and dinner, and uh, I just love watching, especially some of the kids run around and have a blast and kind of look like they own the place, like this is our territory, and they just seem so free and so happy. And um, even uh, being able to look around and uh, see some conversations going on, looking like good conversations, um, just have the sense that God is doing his thing in, in his way, uh, even in this uh, short time we have together. Uh, so, uh, again, it's my privilege to be here. Tonight, we're going to uh, take a look at James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. So, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along as I read the passage. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is God's word. Um, One of the other things I really enjoyed today was uh, seeing all the different pictures of refreshing out there in the lobby uh, that were voted on. They were all great, I I felt. The the one I personally voted for uh, didn't didn't win, but I I voted for the picture featuring the coffee mug, just because I love coffee, especially in the morning, right after I wake up. But the winning photo was definitely a very uh, worthy of the prize, as were the second and third prize winners. Truth is, they were all great pictures. They're all great pictures. But I'd like to submit one more. If it's, well, it's too late now, but I'm going to submit one more picture of refreshing. And at first glance, you might feel like it doesn't fit very well with the other pictures. Um, it doesn't look refreshing at all. This guy's doing resistance training, and he looks like he's in pain, not being refreshed. But I've heard, I've heard, that when resistance training is done with proper technique and over time, what I've heard is that it can make us stronger and healthier. I've heard that weight training increases your metabolism. I've heard that weight training can reduce stress. I've heard it can reduce other threats to good mental health like depression. I've heard weight training, when done with good technique and over time, can even ward off threats like diabetes or osteoporosis and so on. 
I think we often, and rightly, understand refreshing in positive terms. We long for a peace and for a joy and a deep contentment that comes from feeling in tune with God. Those are times when God feels more real and more alive and more near to us than he ever has before. And I've heard stories of refreshing in people's lives where as God was working in them and through them, they were able to, by his help, overcome some self-destructive habits and lifestyle choices that had plagued them up to that point. Their newfound refreshment helped them break away from some harmful behaviors or inner demons that they weren't able to conquer before. These are very real, very compelling stories of changed lives. I've heard stories of refreshing from believers who at first never thought it'd be possible for them to study the Bible on their own or pray on their own or share about their faith with their unbelieving friends or family members. And later on, as God is working in their lives, they not only learn how to do these things, but they can even teach others how to do it as well. These are all, again, wonderful, compelling, powerful stories of believers who experience refreshing renewal in their lives. And we should want to experience more of this for ourselves. But tonight, I'd like to offer a different, maybe even a counterintuitive picture of being refreshed. And I'd like to talk about refreshing that comes through trials and hardships that God can use to grow us. And as we go through it, it might not feel like we're being refreshed. But later on, we'll discover that God was doing something important, something absolutely critical in our lives. I also think having this perspective of refreshing is important because challenges and hardships and difficulties are coming. Notice how I phrase it. I didn't say they might come. They are coming. Challenges, hardship, difficulty, disappointment, pain, suffering, they will come. They're part of life. James tells us in the passage we just read, to consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. It's not a matter of if, but when. Every human being, every Christian will experience trials at some point. And maybe for some of us, maybe for many of us, these trials aren't coming. They're already here. You're going through it right now. Right now. And the question is, how will we as people of faith How will we as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, how will we respond to these trials in our lives? Well, James tells us to consider it pure joy. I want to think about that word consider. First, it's a command. In grammatical terms, the original language, this verb is in what we would call in the imperative form. And so this is, first of all, a call to action. When trials come our way, and they will come, We need to have an active mindset, not simply a passive acceptance. We have to decide how we're going to respond. Also, let's think about his word choice here. James says, consider. The other translations like the English Standard Version will render it as, count it all joy. What James is describing here is primarily a state of mind, not a feeling. Normal human beings don't feel joy, 
when we encounter trials. We feel like we want to cry. We feel like we want to yell in frustration. And I think there's an important place for that. It's absolutely normal, even good, to feel angry or feel frustrated or feel sad when we're going through trials. The solution is not to bury those feelings deep inside or try to overcome them with our sheer willpower. Rather, we need to process them by evaluating these feelings from a specific perspective. And I'll talk more about that soon. Next, James tells us to consider pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Trials. What he has in mind here are circumstances beyond our control. He's not talking about situations that we create by our own sinful actions or poor decisions. Trials are challenges or hardships that come our way, not self-inflicted problems or difficulties. Furthermore, the verse tells us to consider pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds. I thought for a while about the different kinds of trials that we might encounter. There's a type of trial that I might describe as a short but difficult season. Sometimes the pain that you experience in this kind of trial, this short but difficult season, can be acute pain. You go through something like a loss of a job or a short-term illness. It's brief, but it's painful. But after you go through it and you look back, you can often see how God used that experience to help you grow. There's another type of trial that I can describe as a longer extended season, sometimes with no sign of ending. But then later on, you're able to see God's purpose behind it. This kind of trial may have taught you through the long extended season to be a more compassionate person or a more patient person. It may have taught you to be more empathetic for others who are suffering because you've gone through it yourself. I see um, some brave parents with young kids here. It's, it's not easy to come to retreat with young kids and they have a hard time sleeping in the first night. I, I remember going through that. Oh, boy, those early childhood years now are like a blur. I, I can barely remember what it was like. I just remember living in this fog and finally emerging out of it once we sent our youngest to kindergarten. Okay, my wife and I went out to breakfast and we celebrated because we were, we were done. Okay, it's like the last milestone. Okay, out of diapers, no more formula. Kindergarten. Okay, all-day kindergarten, one of the greatest inventions in the history of modern mankind. Okay? Um, that's a trial. That is a long, difficult season. That's a long, difficult season. Um, I was a part-time stay-at-home dad uh, because uh, I was uh, finishing up grad school and getting a second degree. and So Jane was a breadwinner. So I, I remember going to Woodfield Mall with the stroller and the baby backpack and walking around and looking at these moms and thinking, you're my heroes. <laughs> I have such respect for you guys, such respect. Um, seeing um, my oldest go through some of the turmoil of those early adolescent years in junior high, trying to find who he is, going through that socially awkward phase. And, um, you know, junior high, high school can be a rough time. Rough time, especially if 
you don't feel like you're part of the in crowd or you start to be on the receiving end of some um, rough treatment. Uh, And so I'll talk about this more tomorrow, but I also have a deep uh, love and affection and and burden for uh, junior high and high school students. I think that entire period of life can be a trial. It's tough. And I think it's tougher now than it was when I was going through it in the mid-late 80s. Um, Longer-term illness, not just a short-term type where it's acute, but then you're better and back on your feet after a week or so. But longer-term illness, sometimes with no sign of getting better, can be this kind of trial. Long-standing marriage, family tension can be this kind of trial. For some of James's readers, their trial was being persecuted for their faith, and it was a long extended period, and some of them, there was no rescue. That's another type of trial. And then there's a third type of trial that I'm just going to describe as the longer extended season, sometimes with no sign of ending, and you have no idea why it's happening. You are searching and praying and trying to understand what purpose God may have for this kind of trial and you're not able to find any kind of redeeming value whatsoever. Okay, there seems to be nothing to be learned, just pain and sorrow and frustration. Also, I think we can often think of trials as circumstances happening around us, but I think trials can also happen inside us, even when everything seems normal on the outside. We can go through seasons of deep, emotional, mental turmoil and anguish. And sometimes even the people closest around us may not even know. Those can be very serious trials. And I'm sure there are many other trials that you might be able to think of. The point is there are different kinds of trials. At this point, I feel like I want to give a couple disclaimers. First, verses like this, I don't think, give us a free pass to stay silent in the face of injustice and not call out wrongdoers. Okay, as, oh, I'm not going to say that. That's their trial. Okay, I'm sure God will use that. Okay. James does not allow for that kind of interpretation. If we keep reading his letter, he's going to have some very harsh words, for example, for employers who withhold their wages from workers. And also, I don't think verses like this excuse us from taking action or not taking action or not looking for solutions and we're dealing with problems in our marriage or dealing with problems in our kids. Well, this is just our trial, so we're going to see what God does with it rather than proactively looking for solutions, for answers. But those disclaimers aside, the Bible tells us, challenges us to consider it pure joy when we face different kinds of trials. And... I don't need an advanced psychology degree to tell you that James is asking for something very unusual here. I think for those of us who grew up in the church and are familiar with this passage, we just kind of let it kind of go over our heads. But if you really stop for a minute and read this carefully, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. This is unusual. We might even say, impractical or impossible. And you might feel a temptation to ignore him. Like, ah, I don't think he really means that. 
he, he's just kind of off his rocker because normal human beings don't think this way. The only problem with that, though, is there are just so many other verses in the Bible that seem to encourage this kind of crazy perspective. Blessed are you, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. These are words of Jesus. This is red-letter Christianity. Romans chapter 5. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. What is he saying? We, we glory in our sufferings. That's a stunning statement if you just stop and think about it. We glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Peter writes, In all this you greatly rejoice. Though for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. These are just a few examples. I I was tempted to read a lot more, but for the sake of time, I I kept it to three. I could give so many more. Why would the Bible challenge us over and over and over and over to think of our trials in this kind of way. Well, in the passage we read from James 1, it's because the testing of our faith will lead to perseverance. This is the perspective we need to bring to our very real and very human feelings. God allows us to go through trials of many kinds because he wants us to grow in perseverance. What is perseverance? What is perseverance? We might think of it as, we might think of perseverance as a spiritual equivalent of, you know, God's like a coach, okay, like a, like a tough coach telling a wounded athlete to walk it off, you know, suck it up, get over it, you know, stop crying. It's not quite that though. In the original language, the word for perseverance conveys the sense of staying under. Staying under. The image is of someone successfully carrying a heavy load for a long time. It's according to a New Testament scholar named Doug Moo. Successfully carrying a heavy load for a long time. Again, we're not talking about a passive mindset here of, oh, I'll just let it happen. Rather, it's what another scholar describes as a steady clinging to the truth within any situation. A steady clinging to the truth within any situation. Yet another scholar describes this word as a militant patience. I like that. Militant patience. Because it conveys this active sense of the word perseverance. But perhaps my favorite rendering of the word perseverance comes from a book by an author and teacher named Eugene Peterson. The title of the book is 
a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. And the end goal is as we learn what it means to persevere, we will become mature and complete, as verse 4 describes. Mature and complete. When I think of that phrase, I think of people who've been fully trained or the total package. And when I hear their stories, when I see them, when I see this kind of renewal and refreshing, I see beauty. And I believe these are the folks who often present the most powerful witnesses to who God is. Tomorrow, I'm going to be addressing the topic of refreshing through mission. I think we often think of concepts like mission in terms of sharing our faith with our words or serving people through our deeds. And, of course, it does involve that. But I think mission can also be done through how we respond when we face trials. Because many people can say that God is good when everything's going great, when life is good. And everyone will like it. Our fellow Christian brothers and sisters will like it. And the truth is, even our unbelieving friends and family members will like it. But I have to tell you, some of the most powerful testimonies I've heard have come from Christians who've endured trials and yet can still somehow proclaim that God is good. They've endured trials and they can still somehow believe that God is worthy of our trust, that he loves his people. You may have heard the story of Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, I first heard about her when I was in elementary school. I I saw a movie uh, that told her life story. If you don't know her story, she was... um, Talented young girl who had a tragic diving accident in 1967. She was only 17 years old, and that accident left her a quadriplegic. She now leads a ministry that serves and advocates for people with disabilities. Much later on, she shared her testimony, and in one section that really caught my eye, she said, I hated my paralysis so much I would drive my power wheelchair in the walls, repeatedly banging them until they cracked. Early on, I found dark companions who helped, me, who helped me numb my depression with scotch and cola. I just wanted to disappear. I wanted to die. And then she says, what a difference time makes, as well as prayer, heaven-minded friends, and a deep study of God's word, all combined She says, I begin to see that there are more important things in life than walking and having use of your hands. It sounds incredible, but I would rather be in this wheelchair knowing Jesus as I do than be on my feet without him. I don't think you could find a happier follower of Jesus than me. The more my paralysis helps me get disentangled from sin, the more joy bubbles up from within. God shares his joy on his terms only, and those terms call for us to suffer in some measure like his son. I'll gladly take it. 
I find it's a bit harder to dismiss stories like that. I'd like to share one more. Um, my wife serves as our children's um, ministry director at our church. I've mentioned that. But she's also one of the parent volunteers in our youth group. Our oldest is in youth group, and I think Jane also has a special place in her heart for junior high and high school students. She teaches middle school, um, used to be called ESL, and um, I think also it's because she had a very formative youth group experience in her own adolescent years. It's where she came to Christ. And her youth group leader in particular had a huge influence on, on her journey of faith. This is a picture of her youth leader sharing with permission. This was taken uh, many years ago. His name is Sang, Sang Caleb, and uh, his wife and firstborn son. Uh, Pulled this picture out and scanned it. Uh, Somehow my wife still had it. Yesterday, my wife went to a pool party for our youth group. This has kind of become an annual tradition for our, our junior high, high school students. We have a family that has a really nice pool in their backyard, so... They invite the students over, and they fire up the grills and the, let the kids swim in the pool. Well, last year, around this time, at the same youth group pool party, my wife got a text message from one of her old youth group friends who's now serving as a pastor in a church. And they've been friends for a long time, but she hadn't heard from him in a while, so this text seemed kind of out of the blue. But then she quickly realized why he wrote. It was a mass text to all the old youth group members telling them that their old youth group leader had suffered a horrific tragedy. His oldest son had died in a terrible accident, and now they were asking for everyone to pray. Sadly, he passed away, and a few days later, Jane and her sister drove down to Champaign, where the funeral was being held. And when she came home later that night, she told me that it was one of the saddest services she'd ever attended, but it was also one of the most powerful services she's ever attended. She said so many of her former youth group friends showed up to that service, and some even flew in from different parts of the country on very little notice. And to her, that just showed how deeply this youth group leader had impacted all their lives. She said that he was so happy to see all of them, these former youth group kids who were now all adults, many of them married with their own kids like Jane, And she said that he hugged every single one of them and wept openly during the greeting line. But what was most memorable for her, as she was telling me that night, was the way he unapologetically yet joyfully shared about the difference his faith made as he and his wife were trying to come to terms with this tragedy. And she said that many of his colleagues from the hospital where he worked, he's a doctor, many of his colleagues who came for the funeral were visibly moved by his testimony. A few days later, he posted a note on Facebook. He wrote, As we come to the close of the most difficult week of our lives, we are left with mixed feelings. The deep sorrow is indescribable, generating overflowing tears. We do not shed in vain, for we believe the eternal truths about Joseph. His name was Joseph, their son, and our God. We believe that Joseph is in the presence of the eternal God, that our God is a God who is in control. We fight our human desires to ask why. Rather, we simply pray that God will strengthen us to obey. We are deeply thankful and filled with gratitude for all the love and prayers received 
from so many people. Thank you for pouring onto us such amazing love. We'll be forever thankful. A little over a month later, he posted again, and he said, Today is Joseph's birthday. He would have turned 21. Instead, I like to think as if he turned eternity. I woke up in tears and wanting to hold him. I thought about all the people who may be thinking of Joseph today. I wanted to encourage those people that though I have tears of sorrow, it's never in despair or hopelessness. I hope no one will feel bitter or despair as they think about Joseph's passing. Rather, I hope it will remind us of the eternity that awaits us. Happy birthday, Joseph. Miss you so much. You know, what I love about these stories is that they don't present this kind of rah, rah, sort of triumphalism. Rather, these are stories from real people who've learned what it means to stay under. They've learned the experience of militant patience. They've walked the the difficult path of a long obedience in the same direction. They're not perfect. They'll be the first to tell you that they still need Jesus. They struggle with different things, as any normal Christian does every day. But I believe they are the kind of folks that verse 4 describes as mature and complete. And I believe they would also echo the words of the Apostle Paul from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Which says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed, refreshed, day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. My brothers and sisters, my friends, trials will come. It's not a matter of if, but when. And for Again, some of us, the when is now. Maybe some of us are going through it now. You feel discouraged. You feel overwhelmed. You might even feel angry or bitter. But I believe for some of us, God may be bringing you into a season where he wants to grow you. He wants to stretch you. He wants to refresh you. And he's calling you to an active mindset of pure joy as you face your trials. And I believe he's inviting all of us to look to him today and cry out to him, Lord, Lord, if you are there, if you can hear me. I pray that prayer, by the way, sometimes, even as a pastor. Lord, if you are there, if you can hear me, If you are real, help me. Strengthen me. I need you. If this is your way of bringing renewal, if this is your way of bringing refreshing into my life, help me. Help me to stay under until... I am mature and complete.
not lacking anything. Let me pray for us. Lord, we hear the truth of your word tonight. And many of us might even agree with it. But Lord, it's so hard. It is so hard. And I know some of us, it's been hard for a while and we might be tired of staying under. We might be tired of trying to fight. We just want to give up. And so, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to see a more compelling vision of our Savior who loves us, who wants what's best for us, who wants us to be mature and complete, who is trying to teach us the hard but absolutely critical life lesson, faith lesson of perseverance, of militant patience, of staying under, of continuing on the journey of a long obedience in the same direction. Father, I pray for all of us here who are going through trials right now, whether it's the short difficult trials in which the lesson is clear but it's hard or the longer more extended trials where we may not even be able to see what the lesson may be at least from this perspective Lord would you strengthen and encourage these dear brothers and sisters would you allow them to hear your gentle voice calling out to you reminding them that you're still with them, that you love them just as much now as before. You want the very best for us. I want to encourage you just to uh, continue praying on your own. Maybe through our prayers we can process some of the things we heard in um, tonight's message from the book of James. Pray that God would be able to help you by His Spirit have that active mindset, not just that passive acceptance. Pray for that joy joy that comes from being able to see and evaluate our circumstances from his perspective. And pray that God will shape and mold, mold you to be that beautiful, compelling, powerful witness of the beauty and glory of Christ as a mature and complete believer, refreshed, even through, especially through our trials. Continue to pray to the Lord for a little bit, and I think Pastor Jared's going to lead us through um, some additional topics to think through and pray through together. Okay, Let's pray. 
Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.